Welcome back, everybody. It is Encounter with God section right now where we get to dig into our Bibles and do our Bible study. And joining us for the rest of the show, as often happens on Tuesdays, you guys will be starting to get really get uh, used to this on Tuesdays, is Aussie Angela from Michigan. Angela, welcome to the hello, show. Hello, hello. Great to have you joining us to uh, take us through the second half of the breakfast show this morning. How is life in Michigan at the moment? Oh, you know, I'm just chilling in my lazy boy chair with my knee up. That's all. But life is good. Okay, so you're chilling in your lazy boy chair with your knee up. Yeah. That's a phrase that is kind of uh, hinting at something. Yeah, well, you know, in America, well, not just in America, I like to play sports. When I lived in Australia, I had the privilege of learning how to play footy a little bit and cricket. Well, when I came back to America, I wanted to play with my kids again. So I was trying the American football, by the way, not tackle, just flag. You just pull flags off the waist. And I jumped up for the football. Next thing I know, I'm on the ground and my knee is swollen and I'm on crutches for the last four or five days. <laughs> ouch, ouch, ouch. You should, you should teach your students how to play Aussie rules football. Yeah, I want to, but I don't think I can play anything right now. <laughs> this is the true. kids keep making fun of me. Come on, Miss Boothby, let's let's play basketball. I'm like, I got you, I got you. But <laughs> I, I don't. I will sit here in the uh, in the bleachers and cheer for you. Okay, so yep. um, we did have a, a text message come through. Uh, we were talking earlier. I don't know whether you caught it, Angela. About oh, I've got a couple of uh, text messages coming through. Okay, so the first one here is talking about a story we had about life on Venus. So we always talk about life on Mars, but now they're saying, well, it's actually more likely to be on Venus. They have discovered a, a gas there that um, is only produced by microbes, and it doesn't last very long. So where, did, where where is it continually coming from? Okay, so this is the comment come through. Oh, we were talking about how uh, improbable life was from an evolutionary perspective. The comment was, it's only... It's only that's only believable if you believe in evolution, but if you believe in creation, the odds become 100% because it was created, created to specification by God. And yes, I have to agree. When God is involved, the odds are not 1 to the 10 to the 1050th power or whatever it might be, but they are simply 100%. Okay, so we had another text come through. Um, and this one is about eating as a vegetarian. Uh, and this person says, "I was eating in, I was eating, I was in New Orleans and at a restaurant. Asked for a salad to be made up. Oh, this is on my, my story about uh, being at a restaurant and getting served lettuce, lettuce and balsamic vinegar. That was that was when I asked for vegetarian food, Angela. That's what they brought me. It was pretty sad." Uh, oh, okay. delightful, delightful. That sounds like the time that I had twice baked potatoes. They just gave me two baked potatoes. <laughs> That's what the on a plate. Yeah, unbelievable. You been to New Orleans? Um, actually, I have not. I'm sorry, it's not a place I long to go to. <laughs> I've been to New. I worked in New Orleans for a while. It was a great adventure. Okay, so um, this person saying um, they're in New Orleans at a restaurant, asked for a salad to be made up, as no menu items were vegetarian. Um, after trying to explain to the waitress what total vegetarian meant, I finally said, if it is grown in the garden, then that'll be okay. End result, got a nice big bowl of salad with grated cheese on top. 
<laughs> I'm wondering what part of the cheese was grown in the garden, but anyway, that's okay. He says it tasted good all the same. Um, so, yeah, it can be an adventure sometimes. Well, it used to be back in the day. Uh, I remember going to a restaurant with a friend and trying to explain vegetarian, and it was um, a restaurant where the uh, the owners and the managers had English as a second language and I don't think they'd ever heard of vegetarian before trying to explain it and eventually my mate's like okay just no dead tucker no dead tucker at all and it will be fine just make whatever you want as long as it's got nothing dead in it (laughs) (laughs) oh but then you could have the argument that you killed the carrot when you pull it out of the ground so that doesn't always help my friend yeah, well, in this case, with uh, people that were struggling with uh, English as their second language, it actually worked fine. They came back with this great um, stir-fry dish. It was amazing. It was fantastic. fantastic. Food. Yeah. Okay. Um, our Bible study today, all about Revelation, so I'm super excited about that. Let's begin in Revelation chapter 1 and verse 7. Angela, Revelation 1 and verse 7. What have you got for us there? All right. Behold, he is coming with clouds, and every eye will see him, even they who pierced him, and all the tribes of the earth will mourn because of him. Even so, amen. Okay, so our Bible study this week is all about a message that is worth sharing. Mm. What is so exciting about this passage here, and particularly the focus that we have in the book of Revelation? It's the fact that we're living with something bigger than just the here and now, the fact that our Creator is coming back for us. Absolutely, and that's got to be incredibly exciting. Uh, we look around at our world today. There are a lot of, There's a lot of really negative stuff happening in our world. I mean, the last 12 months, it just does your head in. It seems like over there in the United States, or at least on the West Coast, you're copping the bushfires that we had here last year. Yeah, the pictures are looking quite horrific. And as far as the news I heard yesterday, we have people trapped in the middle of flames that they're still trying to get. Yeah, we need to be uh, we need to be praying for um, our brothers and sisters in the United States right now. Um, we know what they're going through. Yeah. Um, we were we were there this time last year and and uh, through October November, so we understand this and and. Uh, it's now just you know moved from the southern hemisphere to the northern hemisphere, and seems to be a bit of a cycle that we've got happening. And you sort of you see these kinds of things happening. You see the riots, you see the COVID, you see all of this happening. And for a person who does not have a faith in Jesus Christ, I can imagine that could be quite off-putting. You would yeah, be starting I, I- to wonder where is it all going to stop. Yeah, and you wonder when and how it could stop and what would come next, even if it does stop at this rate with the different things that are piling one on top of each other, especially with the COVID. They're coming out with all sorts of stories of what's going to come next. I can't imagine constantly wondering what is the next disaster that's going to hit us. Mm. You hear about the new uh, iceberg in Greenland? I did not. Broke off the end of a glacier. So you get different icebergs that form. Some of them just break off of sea ice. Some of them break break off, uh, you know, shelf ice or or, or continental. You know, um, come off the continent and so forth. This yeah. one broke off a glacier. Mm. You want to take a guess how big it is? Uh, I can't use your measurements. <laughs> <laughs> take a guess at. Uh, start with square miles. Uh, let's say. 25. Ooh, that's really big. 10, 10. 
10 square miles. Try 110 square kilometres. So, yeah, a little bit less in miles, but 110 square kilometres. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. Yeah, so that's a rather big chunk of ice to break off one single glacier. You know, it's... uh, 68.3 miles. I checked. (laughs) 68.3. You are on the the ball this morning, Angela. Um, (laughs) Okay, so you start to wrap your head around that for a moment. That is a section of glacier that with one crack has become 80 kilometres shorter mm. because it extended that far out into the uh, the fjord that it was a part of. So this was ice that you know came down the mountains in Greenland and then extended way out into the fjord so it was you know on, on the surface of the water and it just broke off and it's just like it's, uh, it's now it's its own island. It's an iceberg. It's not part of the glacier anymore. And uh, they're saying that, you know, for two years in a row now, they've had uh, record warm temperatures in Antarctica. And, you know, a lot of people have, you know, different views on it one way or the other. The way I look at it is that this is the kind of, when I read my Bible, this is what I would expect. My expectation is that these kinds of things would be happening in our world just before Jesus comes back. And so I kind of judge the science based on what I know and understand by what God says. You know, and the truth is, if we study the Bible, we should find these things exciting. But sadly, we find them scary. You know, I've been listening to my fellow Christians and they still feel fear. And I'm like, Lord, help us to actually believe the joy of your coming and not the fear of the events that lead up to it. Yes, indeed. Okay, so the Bible says that Jesus is coming soon. This is the focus of the book of Revelation. In fact, Revelation is, you know, it's it's titled The Revealing of Jesus Christ. But we could extend that title and say it's the revealing of Jesus Christ in the context of the second coming. Mm. Even though there is a tremendous amount of historical information in the book of Revelation, there is so much that is just pointing forward to uh, the return of Christ. Let's go to Revelation chapter 11. And there's some great passages here about the return of Christ. Uh, Revelation chapter 11. We'll start in verse 15, but there's a few other verses here that um, are just too good to... um, to not miss. Okay, so Revelation chapter 11 and verse 15, please. Actually, uh, yeah, verse 15, that's good. All right. Then the seventh angel sounded, and there were loud voices in heaven saying, The kingdoms of this world have become the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Christ, and he shall reign forever and ever. Okay, so this is one of the reasons why I think that Christians have so much more confidence. I was, you know, I just mentioned that big iceberg breaking off in. Greenland from off the end of a glacier, 110 uh, square kilometres. And, you know, new research that came out of the Pew Research Institute in the United States shows that uh, Christians who believe in God have much lower anxiety about Mm. what is happening in the natural world. Now, that has its positives and its negatives. It's definitely a positive that Christians have a whole lot more peace about this because we're like, okay, we understand where our world is going. We understand that it's all going to burn and that God is in control and that God is going to start from scratch one day in the future and rebuild it um, back to its Edenic beauty, which we've never seen. So that's really cool. That's very positive. On the ne- on the negative, uh, the Pew Research Institute also found out that Christians can be more careless about the planet because, well, 
it's all going to burn anyway, so who cares kind of attitude. Oh, man, you just hit one of my hot buttons. <laughs> you know, I think we have missed the mark as Christians because in the very first gift that was given to us in the Garden of Eden was the very gift of the earth, the very gift of the earth. And I think we should be the forerunners of showing that we care about his gift because I believe that when we care about his gift is proof that we care about others because how we treat the environment very much affects the standard of living, believe it or not, in other countries. Yes, it does. Absolutely. And, you know, one of the things that, uh, you know, when you read those first chapters of Genesis, man was given dominion over the earth. Now, dominion yes. is, is, is a word that can be interpreted as rulership. And so some Christians are like, well, we have dominion over the earth. We have God-given rulership over the planet to do with the planet as we see fit. Others read that word dominion as stewardship. We are, have a place as God-given managers of the earth. Amen. And as managers of the earth. Sorry? What a testimony we could be if, by example, we not only prove that we are Christians with our love to each other, but how we treated animals and the earth around us and the fact that we go the extra mile to care for things that you can't necessarily see the immediate effects of. Yes. Yes, indeed. Okay, so we need to be uh, managers of our world. That does not mean that we are equals in our world because you kind of got these, these, these different philosophies out there. You know, you've got the ones of rulership. We own it, we rule it, we'll do whatever we want with it. You've got dominion, which is we will manage it and manage it for, you know, as stewards uh, of the earth. And then you've got the one uh, which is, I guess, the, uh, you know, the secular new age kind of one, which is we are all equal. No, the Bible does not say that we are all equal. We are not equal with an ant. We're not equal with a carrot. We are not equal with, you know, any other thing that is out there. We are not equals. We have been created with superiority and with a certain level of responsibility. And this passage here kind of it goes into that. Let's, um, let's keep reading from verse, uh, we finished off in verse 16. The Bible says that, you know, Jesus is going to re return. He's going to set up his kingdom. That's going to be amazing. Um, why don't you read for us verse 16, 17 real quick. We'll comment on those and then we'll get to verse 18. And the 24 elders who sat before God on their thrones fell on their faces and worshiped God saying, we give you thanks, O Lord God Almighty, the one who is and who was and who is to come, because you have taken your great power and reigned. Okay, so we live on a planet where Satan has a level of power and claims to have all power. He does not have that, but he claims to have you know, a lot of power. But he does have a level of power here on this planet because our planet accepted him and our planet as such in many ways has become an object lesson to the universe. And if God intervenes in Satan's uh, power too much, then God runs the risk of sin coming back again because the universe has to see what is the result of sin. Mm. But the Bible points out here that's not going to last forever. Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. God will take his, you know, Jesus will be like, okay, yep, all right, we've seen enough. Mm. The universe has seen, we don't need to see anymore. We have seen enough. Um, God is going to take his power and he's like, okay, it is now time for me to reign and it's done and it's over and Satan, you're out of here and you're done and you're going to be destroyed and sin's never going to come back again. Yeah, what a promise. What a sense of security. Absolutely. Now, all of this 
is written in the context of verse 18. So this is the this is kind of the preamble to verse 18 because the Bible talks about um, you know the kingdoms of this world becoming the kingdom of Christ, um, Jesus taking his power and reigning here on this planet. This is all in the context of verse 18 because when you go to verse 18, the Bible gives you a picture of the world as it is right now gives you the picture of a world where you would ask the question and go, okay, wait a minute, is God even interested in our planet? Let's read uh, verse 18, please. The nations were angry, and your wrath has come, and the time of the dead, that they should be judged, and that you should reward your servants, the prophets and the saints, and those who fear your name, small and great, and should destroy those who destroy the earth. Okay, let's start in the, in, in the first part of verse 18 there. The Bible says the nations were angry. Is there anger in our world today? Oh, no. Just love, joy, peace, holding hands everywhere, especially where I live. <laughs> I hear a certain level of uh, of sarcasm coming through there, Angela. Well, it's just so sad because it's such a, at least in my world currently, it's such a volatile world. You have to watch every word you say. And as a teacher, I have to be so careful because it's just, I'm just one micro step away from igniting a forest fire. And I think that is fairly indicative of the environment in many parts of our world today. Um, we are more divided than we have ever been in my lifetime. We yes. are more polarized than we have ever been in my lifetime. And as a result, there is more anger in our world than I have ever seen before. We're going to come back and talk about how this all finishes. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. Let's focus in uh, the great yes. controversy. Yep. An awesome book. Life-changing. Yes. Absolutely. Absolutely. This has definitely changed my life. Um, and so it this- goes along very much with our, with our talk today about Jesus coming and the assurance that we have. But this book goes all the way from the past, the, the history, um, to the present, to the future. Yes, and it's most interesting to read the book, you know, uh, because it was first published about 150 years ago. Mm-hmm. It's interesting to read the book because it traces down through history and then down through prophecy and to see, okay, we've moved from this chapter now and we're in that chapter, you know, as we're moving down through prophecy. So, yeah, really great book to grab, uh, great controversy available uh, right now. one 800 324 Text us on 0491 uh, Angela, we were looking at verse 18. We were talking about the anger that we have in the world today. And, yeah, I've just never seen the world polarized the way it is. Yeah, it's very strong. And you notice it in our precious children, to be honest. And that's where I guess I see it the most in the fact that they're so confused, but yet they're so passionate. Yes, that's a good way of putting it. Confused and passionate, and the and the and the problem is, in the long run, we have lost our focus on Jesus Christ. We have gotten away from God. We are trying to sort things out with our own mind, with our own brain, and yeah. Anyway, let's look at the end of this verse. That's where the verse begins. The verse says there's going to be just a whole lot of anger and angry people in the world. And, of course, you're in the U.S. right now, which is coming up to uh, elections in a very short space of time, and there is a lot of anger. 
You know, I've sort of been looking at this, uh, following American elections fairly closely for about the last five elections, and I've always felt that every election that has come in the last five elections has been one incremental step closer to another civil war. Mm. Just to... Well, thank you. I will be buying my plane ticket to Australia very soon. <laughs> uh, you might just have to, uh, um, yes, cash in on that Australian citizenship sooner rather than later. <laughs> okay. Well, of course, here in Australia, we're heading into uh, Queensland elections, and there's a lot of anger up there as well. It's just like these these elections these days are just all built around anger. It's just well, yeah. You know, but I think it's it's honestly the world in which we live because of social media. So everybody is an expert when really we're just reading other people's opinions. And so it's kind of bound to be that way when everybody thinks they know it all. I mean, it's just the kind of the pit we fall into with this overexposure of everything that's really not that grounded and and proof, you know? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Absolutely. Okay, let's, let's, let's focus in. Uh, the end of this verse takes us back to a conversation that we we're having earlier. The Bible talks about uh, God destroying a certain group of people when he returns. Who is that group of people? End of um, verse 18. The people that reject him. Uh, yes. My translation is more specific than that. Those who destroy the earth. Yeah, that's the one. That's the one. Absolutely. So that was what we were looking at there. Right in the end of the verse, the Bible says that God will destroy those when he returns who destroy the earth. Now, anybody who knows me knows I'm not an extreme green by any stretch of the imagination. That is not who I am. But I am a Christian and I do believe that our world and in our environment was created by God for our blessing and to be a benefit to us. And that when we protect our environment, uh, when we do those things that are necessary to manage, I should say, would might be a better word, manage our environment, then we are living out our purpose as human beings. That was what we were originally placed on this earth to do, was to manage our planet. And, you know, it doesn't always have to be huge things. Honestly, turning off the lights, using them a little less often, using a little less plastic, watch, washing your plastic bags out or not, you know, buying plastic bags and doing reusable. There are small things that if many of us did, it would be a massive difference. And it's actually surprisingly easy to do. My wife decided to stop using plastic bags altogether um, about a year and a half ago, I guess. And having lived in a world where plastic bags are a day-to-day necessity, it's like, okay, how do you actually do that? But within a couple of months, it was just like, you don't even miss them. It's mm. just, it just becomes, you just suddenly realize that these are entirely unnecessary to life and the world is just a better place without them. So, yeah, little things like that make a big difference. Uh, we've got a little bit of time left. Let's go to Revelation chapter 19. We've got uh, a few verses that we can read here that kind of uh, we've sort of you know bounced from one part of Revelation to another. We've gone from the beginning to the middle and now to the end, looking at this major theme of uh, the return of Jesus. Well, the, the, the message that we have, which is all about the return of Jesus Christ and the end time focus. Revelation chapter 19, why don't you start for us in verse 11. Now I saw heaven open, and behold, a white horse. And he who sat on him was called Faithful and True, and in righteousness he judges and make war. His eyes were like a flame of fire, and on his head were many crowns. He had a name written that no one knew except himself. He was clothed with a robe dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. 
Okay, this is a fantastic passage here because, you know, you've got Jesus. He is leaving heaven. He is coming back to this earth and he is riding in triumph um, on a, uh, you know, on a horse. That's a depiction of, you know, somebody who's coming back in triumph and he's coming back to set us free. Mm. He's coming back to deliver his people. He's coming back to... Uh, to bring about the resurrection, to reunite families together again. He's coming back to bring an end to sin and pain and suffering. Revelation is made up of a series of prophecies. And within every one of those prophecies, they begin and they end with the, sorry, they begin, they end, all of them end with the return of Jesus Christ. That is the promise that we have to look forward to. You're listening to The Breakfast Show podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. But right now it is time for Question of the Day. Okay, so our question of the day today is How did Samuel get to be a priest? So here's a question for you, uh, Angela. How did Samuel get to be a priest? He wasn't, That's an excellent question, but he, I will he, let you answer. <laughs> <laughs> he was not a Levite. Okay, so here's how it worked. Uh, before the time of Levi and the tribe of Levi, the priests were – you had the priesthood of the firstborn, and so the first, firstborn um, automatically got to become the priest unless otherwise specified, as in with Jacob and Esau and so forth. And so uh, you had the priesthood of the firstborn that was followed then by the Levitical priesthood. And only somebody who was a Levite could become a priest. Now, the Bible says in 1 Samuel uh, chapter 1 and verse 1, the Bible says, Now there was a certain man of Ramathane Zophim of Mount Ephraim. His name was Elkanah of the tribe of the, the son of Jeroham, uh, the son of Elihu, the son of Tohu, the son of Zoph, an Ephrathite. Okay, so the Bible says that he came from Mount Ephraim. That's uh, another way of saying he came from the tribe of Ephraim. So if, and that is uh, Elkanah is uh, Samuel's father. So if Samuel's father was an Ephraimite, how could Samuel be a Levite? Well, the answer gets even more interesting when you go over to First Chronicles chapter 6, where the Bible talks about Elkanah again, the same guy who is the father of Samuel, um, Eliab his son, this is in uh, chapter 6, verse 27. Eliab, his son, uh, Jeroham, his son, Elkanah, his son, and the sons of Samuel, the firstborn, Vashni and Abiah. Okay, so here you've got uh, the same Samuel, the same Elkanah coming back up again, but this time they are listed as being Levites. Elkanah is listed as being a Levite. So how can this be? How can the Bible in one place say, oh, he comes from Mount Ephraim, and in another place say he is a Levite? Is the Bible contradicting itself? No, the Bible is not contradicting itself. What the Bible is doing is giving you in the first passage the geographical location of where Samuel's family actually lived. If you look at a map in the back of your Bible, you will not find a territory of Levi. All of the Levites were to be spread out through the nation of Israel and to live in different parts of the nation of Israel and to be the ministers. Uh, they were to serve the nation uh, both spiritually and physically. Uh, they were to receive of the tithe and uh, geographically this is where Elkanah was serving. And of course Samuel was his son and so then uh, 
the Bible list in one place, okay, this is where they come from geographically, but in another place it's like, yeah, they were actually Levites who were living in that particular area. So the, the answer is quite simple when you break it all down. Always something I, new. You know, geography really helps. Somehow, you know, we don't always do a great job of that, but I wish we spent a little bit more time with geography in our Bibles. I really think it would help us answer a lot of questions. It would, and it gives you a much better picture of you know, what is actually taking place in the ancient world. Well, it puts the Bible in real time, which often, unfortunately, put the Bible over here and history over here. Well, if we could merge the two worlds, I think it'd answer a lot of questions for ourselves. Thanks for being a part of the Faith FM family. Join our community on Facebook or get in touch at 1-800-FAITH-FM.